Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Motown Sports Talk Podcast. Today is May 4th, 2020, also known as National Star Wars Day, in case anyone is a big Star Wars fan, like I am. But uh, yeah, so obviously I'm joined again by my newly appointed co-host, Jimmy. We've kind of established you've been on every episode, so it looks like you're kind of a permanent co-host. So, and then uh, for topics on today's show, we're going to be looking at our arrivals in the NFC North to see how much they've improved or declined and kind of take a look at who's the best team in the NFC North at this point in the offseason. I mean, first, I would like to address the fifth year option in general and how it seemed to drastically change in the last few years. Not so much as the way that it works, but how often teams are actually utilizing it. Which brings up the point that the Lions chose not to pick up Jared Davis' fifth-year option. But what I was alluding to in how teams are using the fifth-year option, that has dropped dramatically. Um, A post from Jason OTC on Twitter said he posted how many fifth-year options are picked up every single year. And from about 2016, they had 47. And then from there, each year, it's 34, 28, 16. And then this last year in 2020, they only used seven fifth-year options were picked up in the entire league. So I do find that kind of interesting. What are your thoughts on how many, how people are, teams are using this fifth-year option where it's kind of, it used to be beneficial as one extra year guaranteed to have that play on your team. And now teams aren't using it. Is it because players aren't living up to their potential or just because they feel that they could use that money elsewhere yeah it is sort of interesting because the fifth year option is only guaranteed for injury which means the team could cut the player before and not have to pay that fifth year option Mm -hmm. so teams are clearly scared of the injury component and the injury risk of it and that's understandable because a lot of injuries medically there's a gray area so somebody hurts their shoulder or something, maybe it's a tooth-month injury, maybe it's an eight-month injury, and now you're having to fight with the team's agent and conflicting doctors to mm-hmm. determine if that fifth year has to be guaranteed or not. So teams are definitely taking it seriously. And as you, as you discussed, teams are increasingly declining these options. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing that may be a reason why teams are declining is the cost of that fifth-year option. You look at Jared yeah. Davis, $10 million. That's a mm-hmm. lot of money for what was a number 21 pick in the draft and linebacker position, which is not historically that high-valued of a position. Yeah. So that, that's a big number to pick up for Jared Davis. Mm-hmm. And as we're going to um, talk about later, Mitchell Trubisky, his fifth year option was what about 25, 26 million? 24 million. Huge yeah, number. exactly. For one year player that, I mean, statistically hasn't been the best player and deserving of that much money. But again, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Well, if he was allowed to play the Lions every game, he probably would have been worth the 24 million (laughs) tore up the lions defense last year which is still embarrassing me to this Mm -hmm. day yeah under the three games he's played under matt patricia's defense are his best game statistically but again that's all besides the point so but going back to gerard davis we again the lions chose not to pick up his fifth year option and again as i said it was kind of expected because if you've watched his play it's not it's not that he's a bad linebacker but i've watched almost every single snap of his career and you can just point out his flaws in the eye test again he's very athletic but he's just not athletic enough to cover those burner type tight ends or those nice slant routes that can they've been 
burning us for years. And he was drafted for Jim Caldwell defense, so it was a different regime. But he had he did have his best year in 2018. He had 100 combined tackles, six sacks, and five pass defense. I mean, that doesn't diminish the amount of times he's been burned in coverage by a wide receiver three. So I guess, what are your thoughts on the Lions declining his fifth-year option? Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Maybe the scheme changed going from Terrell Austin's defense to Patricia. Maybe that had an impact. Uh, going into the 2019 season, we were very optimistic about Jerry Davis. He had yeah. come off a pretty good 2018. We thought he might build on it. But then he got that ankle sprain mm-hmm. in the preseason. I uh, hate preseason because of that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that just sort of threw him off course for the rest of the year. Who knows? But you're right. He just wasn't that productive last year. Not enough impact plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was pretty good at blitzing up the middle but just didn't see enough impact plays to justify 10 million dollars for a fifth year yeah i agree and obviously we are going to have him for this year so there is still time for him to improve and we still can resign him at the end of the year so we could see how with the whole healthy offseason obviously everyone's being quarantined at home hopefully he's staying productive staying healthy and working on that ankle so he can stay healthy all year but Again, we'll just have to see how he's, again, I keep saying this every episode, how our new defensive coordinator is going to utilize him. Because personally, like you said, his best attribute is rushing up the middle and kind of more rushing the passer. Because again, when it comes to him dropping back in coverage, that's not his best attribute. So I do think that he's going to be used less, especially with like Jamie Collins and the emergence of uh, Jelani Tavai. But again, I think they're just going to try to use him in certain packages and different blitz situations because that's where his strength is. So maybe if they utilize him in the right way, he might be a little bit more productive. And again, depending on how he plays this season, we might be able to give him a contract that's more reasonable to his play and not worth $10 million a year. Right. Uh, given the fact that this is his last year on his contract and looking at the coach's perspective and the GM perspective, they might start to phase him out this year just because they're not guaranteed to have him back. Exactly. There's a very good chance he's not going to be back. So they might uh, favor Jelani Tavai, favor uh, Jamie Collins in terms of playing time. So... Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it looks like this is leaning towards to be the last year of Jared Davis's career here with the Lions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, that's what I was mentioning, that his snap counts are probably going to decrease immensely. But, again, there's still time. There's still a lot of preseason that he may be able to improve, and who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And one interesting thing about declining the option is if he leaves us a free agent, that counts toward the compensation pick mm-hmm. uh, calculation, which might be one reason why teams decline it. Because if you cut the player, it doesn't count towards the compensation pick. But mm-hmm. if he's a, leaves as a free agent, it does count. Not that it necessarily impacts the Lions that much because they're usually pretty he- heavily active in free agency, so they don't get any compensatory picks. But just something to think about. Right. That's always a good consideration, especially we know Bob Quinn loves piling up those draft picks. So, all right. So now we're going to get into our main topic of the show, and that is the NFC North comparison. We're going to look at some of our rivals and discuss what some of their big offseason transitions and discuss if they've, again, improved or if they've declined and see which team stands at this point in the offseason with not being able to practice or do anything. So we'll start with the Vikings. And their biggest offseason move was that they traded Stephon Diggs to the Bills, which was kind of surprising. And then they also extended Kirk Cousins for another two years. 
They signed Michael Pierce from the Ravens, the defensive line, and they lost a couple of their few um, key defensive players, and they also drafted Justin Jefferson in the first round. So what um, what kind of stands out to you, and what do you think would be the biggest move that's going to affect them this coming season? Well, it looks like they were pretty much able to replace Stefan Diggs with Justin Jefferson, who went number 22. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of compensation in that Stefan Diggs trade, surprisingly a lot. Um, they got yeah. a first-round pick back, so that was a really great deal for the Vikings for a disgruntled player. Yeah, re-signing Kirk Cousins, looks like he got a two-year extension with $66 million guaranteed, so... They're locked into Kirk Cousins for a couple of years, which is mm-hmm. not a bad thing for them. He's played pretty solidly and seemed to have been a pretty good fit for that team. Oh, yeah. He's done better. I personally think he's done better in Minnesota than he's done in Washington. But a lot of people, I don't know if you've seen, but on Twitter and Instagram, there's this big war going on right now between who's better, Kirk Cousins or Matthew Stafford. And I guess that's another topic for a different day. But I personally think it's just, I'm going to obviously throw my opinion. It's kind of bias. A lot of people throw the fact that he has more playoff wins than Stafford. And I don't think that is just a... uh, a good way to judge a quarterback's play in the NFL by playoff wins because there's 11 other 10 other players on the field with you at one time yeah totally agree with that but again that's a topic we can discuss on a different day so I do think that their defense is going to change quite drastically the Vikings they again they lost a few of their defensive starters lost a few linebackers and with the addition of Michael Pierce that defensive line's just even bolstered even more than it already was so that's a good sign but coming back to their offense with was it Kyle they're gonna have Kyle Rudolph at tight end Adam Thielen Justin Jefferson they still they have Amir Abdullah but they don't really use him at running back they use him more of as a returner yeah kind of special teams special return and they got Dalvin Cook who if he can stay healthy is kind of an elite running back in the league so yeah the Vikings might be a, a team to look out for in the NFC North, depending on how their defense can gel together and pick up. Because like I said, I think that's going to be the biggest decline on their team is going to be on defense. Yeah, the, the Vikings were the toughest team the Lions played last year based mm-hmm. on what we watched. They were tougher than Green Bay. So to me, they're the scariest team in the division. Yeah, I agree. I think they're the biggest threat to us and anyone right now. But so that's going to move on to the next team, which is the Chicago Bears. The the biggest thing they did, which I mentioned earlier, they declined Mitchell Trubisky's fifth year option. And they also traded for Nick Foles. What are your thoughts on that quarterback situation there that they have going on now? Yeah, they signed Nick Foles to three years, 24 million with 21 million guaranteed. Mm. So they gave him... Uh, a good amount of money, more than you'd pay a typical backup quarterback. So this guy is definitely in contention for the starting job mm-hmm. this season. Yeah, it's all going to have to see how he healed after that. Was it collarbone injury, I believe? Yeah, it looks like he had a collarbone injury. It looks like right. his left arm. Okay, so, so. so it might not affect his throwing ability as much because we saw how Aaron Rodgers has come back from his collarbone injury and I mean, personally, I do think he's been affected by that. I don't think he's as powerful as a thrower as he used to be, but that's just my opinion, and I'm sure people would argue that with me. But So he might be sure he's going to be fine. But And again, that was week one last season as well, so he's had t- plenty of time to recover from that. So, 
but I do, I definitely think that Nick Foles is going to win out the quarterback position, and I I don't even think Trubisky is going to make it because instead of just letting him walk, I'm sure by halfway through the season there's going to be teams that are going to be quarterback needy with injuries and stuff. So I'm sure Trubisky might end up getting dealt, and they're going to try and get whatever they can before they just let him walk in free agency. Yeah, you might be right. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, but then also another big move, which is surprising because they. I don't know how they worked this in with almost no cap space, but they signed Robert Quinn from the Cowboys to a huge contract, which is just going to make their defensive line even more scarier than it already is. They also signed Jimmy Graham away from the Packers, and they just recently signed Ted Ginn Jr. to a one-year deal as well. I guess, what are your thoughts and what do you think is the biggest acquisition they've made this offseason? Yeah, you're right that Robert Quinn got a big contract. I, I didn't even realize it was that big. Mm-hmm. Five years, $70 million with $30 million guaranteed. Yeah. Wow, that, that is a huge number. I mean, they're already paying Khalil Mack a ton of money. So, yeah, it is surprising that they had that much cap space available. Yeah, like I said, I have no idea how they worked that in because I remember they were one of the lowest teams in the league with their cap space, so I don't know how they worked that in, but apparently their accounting is a master at finances, so... Well, it's going to catch up to them at some point because they've had so few draft picks recently. This year, they only had two second-rounders, and then their next pick was in the fifth round. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to pay the piper at some point and they don't have these cheap contracts to help fill all the gaps in their roster yeah like take a look back at the lions when we've we've discussed before when we had stafford sue and calvin johnson all tied up which it was like around 20 to 25 percent of our cap space was tied up in three players that wasn't taking away our draft picks but still when you have that much contracts you have that much money in three players you can't really address the rest of the team so yeah the the fact that they have their quarterbacks under fairly cheap deals, I guess Trubisky still under his rookie deal, and Nick mm-hmm. Foles only $8 million a year, that might be where they're finding the money to right. pay other players. But then if you look at their other offensive weapons, who did they really have? They just signed, okay, they just signed Jimmy Graham, but he's old he's up there they just signed ted Jin jr again he's been you mentioned before we got it he's been in the league forever as well um they have alan robinson correct who is probably their best offensive weapon which again in my opinion he's good but i don't think he's a top 15 wide receiver in the league i i think their offense is not very good it's their defense that's what has won them games in the last few years that's what it's going to continue to win them games in the coming years yeah i expect some regression for the bears this coming year mm-hmm. again if anything's going to ha- if anything's going to help them win games it's going to be their defense and that defensive line affecting the quarterbacks because again with you got khalil mack robert quinn they got some other big guy i believe it's akeem hicks like you said so but either way that defensive line is going to be scary for all offensive lines coming up so that's going to be their biggest strength and now moving on to my personally most hated team in the entire nfl that is the green bay packers and of course they're they signed rick wagner away from the lions which again personally we kind of let him go for a reason we cut him for a reason he still is a decent starting tackle in the league but he is not worth the contract that we originally paid for him back at the time so i think they kind of signed him to him a little bit more friendly contract yeah his contract was only two years 11 million that he got yeah. from the packers so clearly nobody in the nfl values him that much so i would mm-hmm. expect him to be a on below average offensive tackle for him hopefully we can take advantage of that this year 
Exactly. And obviously with him playing for us, I'm sure we're going to be able to know his strengths and weaknesses and be able to attack those as well. So, And for offensive weapons, they signed Devin Funches and they drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round to go behind Aaron Jones. And then the biggest thing everyone's talking about is that they drafted Jordan Love in the first round. Did they draft him to sit behind Rodgers the way Rodgers sat behind Favre? Or is Aaron Rodgers going to try and look for a way out after this year? Because contractually obligated, they can't trade him this year because it's going to be way too big of a hit and everything like that. But following the year, they'll be able to trade him and move him. So what is your thoughts on the whole Jordan Love situation? Yeah, they traded up to get him and they talked after the draft about really targeting this guy and actively trying to call a bunch of teams to get him. So they were targeting him from before the draft. This was premeditated mm-hmm. getting him. It wasn't like it, they just fell in his lap and they had to take him. Like the Aaron Rodgers situation happened. Exactly. So this is a totally different situation. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk a little bit about just the balance of power between the coach GM and the star quarterback. Now, we typically think of the coach GM as the bosses of the situation. They're the ones that control playing time, who uh, who's on the team or not, who gets cut. But on many teams, the quarterback might actually have more power than the coach GM. Mm-hmm. And just looking at the salary, that's some sort of representative of uh, the discrepancy in power. Aaron Rodgers makes $34 million a year. Matt LaFleur makes $5 million a year. Brian Gutekunst, the Packers GM, uh, the salary is not disclosed, but it's probably around $5 million or less. So... Rodgers makes seven times as much as the Mm -hmm. coach and GM. So it shows you that Rodgers may have more leverage in that organization and in that relationship than Mm. you might expect. So if Rodgers wants to throw his weight around, maybe make some demands regarding plays, personnel, coaching style, he can do so without much worry of repercussion. So I can see the coach GM getting sort of sick of this, especially if the quarterback like Rodgers sort of prickly maybe hard to deal with and throwing a dash of jealousy due to the salary cap or the salary discrepancy and you can Mm -hmm. see why they would want to draft an earlier on quarterback who poses a legitimate threat to his job and that would serve as leverage against Rodgers and restores the balance of power in that relationship. Yep. Yeah, as you've mentioned earlier, the weird dynamic of how sometimes a quarterback can have more leverage in an entire organization. As I don't know if you, I think we've discussed before, you don't really watch Pat McAfee as often, but I watch a lot of his things. And he's discussed his time in Indianapolis about how Peyton Manning kind of was like that if he wanted a certain player gone or if he wasn't happy about a certain situation he would go right to the owner and then that would he would get his way and he does say Peyton Manning wasn't really like that that obviously that wasn't his style it's not like he did that every season but these did mention there was a couple times that he did that and he he got what he wanted so there is situations like that where a the owner and the quarterback again as we saw what happened in new england with tom brady and the whole jimmy garoppolo situation where supposedly bill belichick was grooming him to be tom brady's predecessor and tom brady wanted him gone supposedly that's all rumored but he went to bob Kraft and got him gone so yeah you see this uh with the steelers recently mason rudolph was drafted in 2018 in the third round this is after roethlisberger had been openly discussing retirement for years and acting a little diva-ish so Mm -hmm. this happens across the nfl that teams will draft a quarterback with part of the intention to have him as a successor but the other part is to gain some leverage over their current star quarterback 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting how, again, the whole contract situation can kind of determine your level in the team management. So Yeah, and you do some NBA stuff on this podcast, and we've seen that a lot with the NBA over the mm-hmm. years. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with the NBA is the coach is making $5 million a year. Mm-hmm. And this entire starting lineup is making more than the coach per year. Mm-hmm. So that's why the coaches get fired all the time. That's why the coaches have minimal to no power of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there has been many discussions. I mean, I've had with personal friends of mine about how sometimes the head coach in certain situations isn't even is pointless in certain NBA teams because I mean it's kind of different with okay you look at someone like LeBron James you know he's like we just mentioned he's one of those players who is calling a lot of the shots with the team the players and how which plays they're running so obviously the coach is there for just kind of a head figure and stuff like that the NBA is kind of a sport like that where one player can have a lot of say over a team and the head coach is kind of again just like a head figure to be there is just a head head, yeah there's a head figure to be there to look like you're in charge yeah exactly that's that's the word i'm looking for a puppet to look like you're in charge but really it's run internally by other players and other stuff so yeah now i wanted to discuss uh aaron Rodgers and his future with the packers you had alluded that a little bit earlier that Mm -hmm. they can't trade him this year because the salary cap a dead cap hit would be enormous plus most of the teams currently have already found their starting quarterback so it's a little yeah. the off season the two exceptions might be new england and maybe get ready for this chicago <laughs> keep an eye out for chicago in the next year to possibly being a location that rogers might go to so going forward looking at next off season Aaron Rodgers can definitely get traded or cut at that time. Mm-hmm. They would take a $30 million dead cap, but they would also erase Aaron Rodgers' $36 million contract. So they would actually gain about $5 million in yeah. salary cap space by getting rid of him next offseason. Mm-hmm. And from Aaron Rodgers' perspective, I anticipate he's already looking currently to see if he can get out of green bay because he's not happy with them drafting jordan love he's not happy that that they're upsetting the power balance there Mm -hmm. so he's probably gonna look to next off season maybe demand a trade i would Mm -hmm. expect that kind of thing to happen yeah and this is all just speculation this is me literally just thinking off the top of my head but a possible destination that he could be looking for Depending on what happens with Ben Roethlisberger this year, I possibly think he could look at going to the Steelers because yeah, they're a, a good one. they're a well-run organization. They have an established head coach. They're again they have Ben Roethlisberger, who we're not sure what's going to happen with. They do have Mason Rudolph and uh, what's his name, Ducky Hodges, or yeah, yeah, both of them are pretty worthless. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I do think that that could possibly be a destination. Also, they're in the AFC, who right which right now is not that deep it's kind of like the uh, if you look at the nba how the west is completely stacked with all these great teams in the east is it's got a couple good teams but it's kind of how it's the dynamic in the nfl where the nfc has got all the best teams and the afc is kind of especially again with the playoffs expanding it might be a little bit easier for him to get into the playoffs in the afc so 
that again, that's just, I haven't heard anything. That's just me thinking off the top of my head on somewhere he could go. Right. But the bottom line is, Lions fans have been looking forward to getting rid of Aaron Rodgers for years and years. So our dream looks like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> and it could happen as soon as next offseason. Yeah. However, the biggest nightmare for Lions fans is that Jordan Love becomes the second coming, or the Packers case, the third coming, and becomes another Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. Let's just hope that there is a reason he dropped so far and wasn't taken at one of those top 10, top five positions like some of those other quarterbacks were. But again, as you alluded to, he didn't really drop that far. They did trade up to get him. So it's a little different. Like we mentioned earlier, the Aaron Rodgers situation, he just fell. So they kind of felt the need to take him at that position. And he sat behind fire for three years. Was it two or three years? It, it was at least three. It might have been four years. I, yeah, I think it was for sure three years. So, yeah, he sat behind fire for a good while, and I don't think right. they have that intention with Jordan Love. As you mentioned, maybe a year at the most. But Yeah, that doesn't happen now in the NFL. This is a lot different than 17 years ago when Rodgers mm. drafted. Right now, because of the rookie contracts for quarterbacks, you want to get them on the field as soon as possible to take advantage of that salary cap discrepancy between guys – who are getting 35 to 40 million a year and your rookie quarterback making 5 million a year. Yeah, exactly. Cause what was the year that they changed? I think it was 2011. They made that rule change that you couldn't pay NFL rookies so much. Cause that was our problem with Matthew Stafford. We drafted him number right. one overall and gave him a huge contract. Right. And that, but then the exactly. uh, the following year, who was it? Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford still got a big contract. Yeah, he got a yeah, got a huge contract. Might, I think it might have been the year after that that things changed. Mm -hmm. Because they had that issue so often that they'd be giving them a huge contract and they wouldn't pan out, like Sam Bradford or Jamarcus Russell, who was taken ahead of Calvin Johnson and only played right three years, I think, in the league total. So yeah, famous of the purple drink. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, yeah. he was. He was not exactly a hardworking, grinded-out player. No, he wasn't. And so that's why they definitely changed that rule on the minimum you can pay your first-round quarter. I mean, they still get paid a lot, as we mentioned in previous episodes, that first to five-round picks get paid quite a bit. And then after that, it drops off a lot. So they still, those top few still get paid a lot, but nowhere near as much as they used to in years past. So, all right. One quick thing I do want to bring up, though. Have you seen that video of Matthew Stafford working out with all of the uh, rookies? Yeah, I saw that brief clip. That was interesting that yeah, we were working I, out together. Yeah, I was trying to find the source of it and read more into it. Apparently, it was pulled off one uh, some trainer's Instagram or something, his Instagram right. live, something like that. I couldn't really find the initial source, but you could clearly tell that was Stafford and the rookies. Yeah. Like, it wasn't fake. They were clearly working, right. and Stafford said something about the same time tomorrow. So they're clearly getting work in every day, and he's trying to develop chemistry with those younger players already. Yeah, it's great to see Stafford doing stuff like that and proactively calling up guys and training together. Yeah, that's awesome to see again. And it shows just how much of a leader people people claim that he's not that much of a leader because he's not yelling, he's not screaming, he's not emotional as he should be in press conferences or all that stuff. But you can definitely tell he's passionate and behind the scenes, he is way more of a leader than any of us, any of us fans can see from the front. Yeah, and I like just the positive image he projects with the whole team and everything. He contrasts mm -hmm. that with Aaron Rodgers, who's often uh, insulting the management, criticizing things, complaining about things. But Stafford's, he plays the good soldier role. He stays positive, uh, compliments his teammates. So it's a really nice thing to see. 
Yeah, exactly. And again, like you said, the kind of good image he puts out also with his family. They with he's always got good PR with their doing stuff with his wife and all this, all this, especially with her going through that brain surgery last year and all this stuff. So again, I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying personal lives matter, but again, from a PR standpoint and the way you represent yourself, I think Stafford has done way better of a job than some of the other quarterbacks in our division. Yeah, I agree. All right. But I guess that's going to do it for today's episode. I want to again, thanks again, Jimmy, for coming on. I always enjoy talking. Thanks for having me. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next time.